I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the red flag. Hello and welcome to Fact Check UK, the uh, podcast that used to be called That Option No Longer Exists and has now decided that we are checking all of the facts in a completely and utterly not biased way. My name is John Bounds. Is my yes. My name is John Bounds and I am from the left of the left and with me my good comrade Adam Juniper who's from the where are you going to place yourself this week mate? I don't know I feel like I'm on the right of the left when I talk to someone from the Labour Party or at least someone from Momentum but uh, normally I used to think of myself as centre left. We are recording post leaders debate but it's still manifesto eve as it were so i'm going to put up my um manifesto stocking leave out a, a damson jam pie and um a glass of non-alcoholic sherry for see what santa corbin brings us in the morning i'm really excited about that i, I listened to a podcast and some of the mechanism of this was explained to me by owen jones um in a slightly patronizing and annoying tone um he just chooses that, doesn't he, anyway? I would totally watch the Clause 5 uh, meeting if they streamed it live. Um, I think all they should as well. seven or I, eight I hours of it. It would be horrifically bad for the party. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where, while a lot of us uh, nerds, uh, political nerds, would love to see how these things are, you know, are made and have the, to hear out loud people say... Um, oh, yeah, no, I don't think we could put that in. That would be really embarrassing. Um, or that would lose us votes. <laughs> because that's the discussion that's taking place. You know, we've, we've seen... But it is we've, a little bit. We've no. seen in public the wish list in, term, in the real conference. This is the, uh, this is the power play. This is the, the West Wing stuff that you don't get to see. It's not. I don't think it's just that. I think the conference has a sort of membership wish list. But some of the things... For example, um, the broadband announcement and some of the industrial policy things are really quite complicated and don't tend to bubble up through conference. The um, the broadband thing has come from a lot of work from the uh, Communication Workers Union over the years, apparently, and they've really, really thought about how this can work. And as I often say, those are the experts in the in the field. And um, John, so some of those things, I think the the sort of detail. Not so much of the things that came through conference, but some of the big surprise announcements that because there will be they won't they won't have shot their bolt um completely well they just we won't know what they are there'll be some absolute brilliant surprises well let's hope because uh, labor are desperately in need of those after last night's t v debate uh, last night as we record I'd say oh I'm going to guess then that um you didn't think it went particularly well I don't think it went badly I don't think it went well I think the uh, the times had it pretty much spot on with their snap poll uh 51% saying Boris won 48% 49% saying uh Corbyn won I think to be honest it was one of those where at the end of the day Britain was the loser Brian I thought that the real this problem is, um... the real problem is the weight of expectation for a long time now we've been hearing from Corbyn supporters far more than Johnson supporters that ah oh, it'll be all right on the night when the election comes, he's a great campaigner. He's a star. He'll he'll shine through. We'll see those, you know, uh, polls narrowing, that kind of thing. Uh, and so I thought that, the, you know, for better or for worse, the setup was that we might see this amazing Jeremy Corbyn, confident, capable. To be honest, he looks better 
uh, when you see him in in Parliament. He's he's looked better against Johnson when you've seen him in Parliament in the very few PMQs he's been allowed to take part in. Um, but I I felt he he seemed a bit stilted and uncomfortable. A li- you know more like more like PMQs when he was not so good at it. I thought that he was statesmanlike. I thought he was well briefed. I thought there were a couple of instances where he the preparation obviously paid off and things that they'd thought of um such as the the sort of holding up of the redacted um meetings between the constant civil servants and the American pharma companies. I thought that worked really well and that was clearly done for clipping onto social media. That was out on the social media pretty much before the debate finished yesterday as a thing they knew that was coming um i also thought that um when it came to the sort of unscripted stuff at the at the very end the questions that you couldn't have known was coming um i thought jeremy had completely uh outshone boris and there's um i was having a, a chat with somebody about the the concept of hammocking uh hammocking you're gonna and have to explain is, uh, that is that one of those internet so words? this is no, no, it's apparently a media studies word. So we're talking about a, a major TV event and the people that will have seen things like either side of it, if you see what I mean. So the start of the debate yesterday would have been seen by people who'd watched Emmerdale and then they may or may not have stayed on. Okay. Does At the end of the debate will have... Oh, it's very popular, yeah. apparently. And the end of the debate will um, have been seen by people tuning in for... Um, I'm a celebrity. Oh, again, again so, is that something people do voluntarily? I, I guess yes. Well, I mean that's that's the point well, of commercial is, well, television, does, isn't it? Yeah, that's the that's the crux of ITP's um, uh, uh, model. But the um, so I thought Jeremy's uh, sort of opening statement was very clear and concise. Jeremy's end statement was very very good, full of hope and focusing on that. They, you know, making sure you register to vote thing. So if you've managed to get any undecided people who haven't registered to vote or weren't bothering to vote, that's the big message at the end, a sort of message of hope and a sort of, you know, go out and do it sort of thing. That really works. And I think... Well, did it work? I mean, that, I, I agree. I agree well, that it's the right message. Let's, uh, let's hope it did work. Let's hope people are out going well, to do that, it. Well, the... Um, so uh, the poll that you mentioned in the Times, which was a YouGov poll, which there's a big online hoo-ha about today, apparently because the article sharing the results of the SNAP poll was published an hour and ten minutes before the debate started. Interesting. If you look at the, if you look at the YouGov's timestamps on their their website, no one's managed to confirm or have a. They're like, oh, fair enough. There are plenty of explanations for why that could have happened, but uh, YouGov haven't defended it or pointed out which of those I mean, explanations could be true. I, I would guess as yet. that it's time-stamped for the point at which they created the article and everything was all in place and they just dumped the data in when they had it. That's what I would do if I was them, and that would lead to that result. Well, very possibly, but they... Uh, that they should be um i think they ought to be explaining it's gone madly online but if you decide that that poll is worth um the internet paper it's written on the um i, I i'm going to suggest if you, don't, we don't, if you dig sorry I, i'm going to say that this is one of those occasions where that the poll is is probably not the most important thing it, it's no but if you dig deep <clears> into the data the um the undecided voters gave it as a clear win for jeremy corbyn well, that is what he needs for sure. I mean, and that is one of the problems with those those data sets. Um, 
Actually, it's been a couple. Speaking of polls, and what if we can try and get through them quickly? Because I know I tend to go on about them as well. It's been a couple of weeks um, since we first had these conversations, which means some of the polling companies have had the chance to do two major polls with the election run up. Uh, some have done one, and we're not seeing any narrowing just yet. Although some of the people who show averages seem to be announcing any narrowing are we are we not going to expect that yet should we be expecting the narrowing of the gap that that you think will happen i've later well i've seen right i've seen some narrowing of the gap not a huge surge of narrowing of the gap there is um uh sort of things uh correlation with 2017 that show that the gap narrowed later than this in 2017 but um and also that if you, you think about it the the eve of polls polls uh last time still showed a, a whopping um tory victory so well um, not who knows? one of them was spot on um which what's it one one out of uh, the uh, salvation yeah, yeah that was yeah. that was true those are that and again they are showing labor much closer than all the others yeah but six six um, points behind or six, or, That's or, true. Yeah. Um, so, we, and and they themselves say something like a a forty seat Tory majority based on the current score. So, is that the one that you guys are all looking at? You know, the I I must admit I try not to look at them. I look at them in a very general sense. Um, but the you can get deep into the minutiae of how they're weighted and stuff, and it just um, by and large you have to see. I don't believe if the parties had really accurate polling data that they would that they'd produced they'd be sharing it particularly so you see the absolutely inaccurate and deliberately inaccurate polling data paid for by the lib dems which is all over their literature and stuff but the um the the, inf- the information's too useful to uh, other people to really um give it out particularly on a sort of seat by seat basis so i that said um, the, the, the information, they're a sideshow. Yeah, they are a sideshow. But the information you can get hold of uh, that may be more interesting is not so much the money, or sorry, the poll, you know, uh, but you can find out how much people are spending on Facebook in certain constituencies. Uh, and apparently quite a lot is being spent in uh, the Prime Minister's own constituency. So he didn't do the chicken... By both sides, I would imagine. Well, uh, yes, but uh, he didn't do his chicken run. His majority is 5,000, which is, <laughs> you know, achievable. It's doable. Isn't it? Mm. And it's it's been, the activists have been absolutely pouring in um, a, a sort of extra, extra labour in the sense of they're in a sort of extra outside uh, campaign, just purely known as Fuck Boris, was there on uh, last Saturday and apparently registered 2,000 people to vote. Um, that previously weren't registered. He must be a little scared. Um, I mean, the money spend suggests he is. If you went on, um, if you go on the, I know, obviously, uh, in political betting, the the odds follow the money rather than the actual likelihood of something. But you can only get three to one on Boris losing his seat. Wow. That is, yeah. If, you can only get nine to two on Swinson losing her seat. I think that's also quite likely. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's as, um, not making as good an impression as I'd hoped. You know, 
It's the other thing in the polls is obviously we've seen the Brexit Party uh, since they made their announcement. I predicted, thank you, um, of giving in to the you know to the Tories uh, without getting anything in in return. Um, we've seen the Lib Dems sort of trending down in the same way as the Brexit Party inevitably did, which you know from what I'm hearing, is just that people don't really like Joe Swinson. I think people don't really like Joe Swinson. I think people are also quite clear now that it is a two-horse race. The sort of courts um, confirmed that uh, yesterday morning when they decided that there was no legal basis for the other parties to suggest they should have been in a, a you know a leadership debate. Um, Which is not really so I think given you, they we will see that the uh, European elections. But then we'd have had it's to listen to second order election. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know third order maybe with a you know a, a you know a tiny tiny turnout. But I think there's um, there is evidence that the more people see of Josephine and the less they like her. The um, the ridicule after her her eagerness to press the nuclear button. On the sort of post-match interviews, the sort of um, the, what I heard someone refer to as the uh, uh, the election intertoto cup, or the um, Europa League, as opposed to the Champions League of the the main debate, the program that was on um, after uh, the sort of you but know behind not, the scenes just, in the jungle program after, they had yeah, a long time after, right? Long enough that I've you know seen independent television doing its thing and immediately had to turn off, turn off. So um, yeah, she was incredibly keen. Would you press the nuclear? Button? Yes, yes, of course. Um, maybe she thinks it will just uh, mainly kill squirrels, and the rest of us will just be collateral damage. I don't know. Does she but, particularly um, dislike squirrels? She had to make a statement to say that she does not kill squirrels after a oh a yes yes sort I, of I, internet I, I meme. That. That's uh, that is brilliant. That is that's so much better than the dead cats. <laughs> or dead pigs <laughs> the but it was the same principle as the the, the dead pig story as far as I, but going back to um the debate i think we were all of us a little bit naive to expect there would be some sort of knockout blow because of course even in the sort of history of these knockout blow um tv debate things the the one everybody cites is of course kennedy versus nixon but they didn't know at the time that anything in there had been a knockout blow if you see what i mean um we can continue to see how the the prince andrew question and how the nhs stunt maybe from from jeremy and how the the sort of laughter that both sides attracted from the other side's partisans yeah when they were, now that you know, I mean, that, um, that made it feel nicely english didn't it? You know, there's a certain respectful look about the uh, the presidential debates. Everything looks very important with the podiums and, uh, you know, whether anyone is going to stand there or sweating or not. Uh, whereas, I don't know, something about the ITV staging made it look like it was a second-rate daytime TV show. Um, they just, you know, had the stuff laying around. And... Yeah, having the the audience question it. I don't know. Do you think it it felt more friendly, more civilized, or in general, just a little bit 
I don't know, like a daytime TV show. In any case, when the audience started laughing, you you knew that that's us. That's the British. We'll just laugh at the other guy. We're not. We don't have any respect for the office either way, which is obviously playing more in Johnson's favour. Well, I thought that well, not having respect for the office of prime minister is in Johnson's favour because he certainly doesn't. But the, the I think the audience giving the questions actually gives the presenter a little bit of um, distance in the sense that some of those questions were loaded, fairly ignorant, um, and they were. Yeah, so they were selected for that, if you see what I mean. Had a had a, a newscaster or a, a, a experienced presenter question or journalist, you know, written the questions, you would have expect them to be more balanced, more, you know, more probing, more thoughtful, more loaded with information. And um, I thought that was a disservice because you are then thinking, you know, you're you're thinking this is a bad question to start a debate if you if that's what you actually want yeah and uh, i i didn't necessarily feel the moderation was right there were times when i felt she gave a bit more time to either uh of the of the competitors if you like um and obviously that happens a bit more with johnson because he does have a certain waffliness but for me the big thing the the standout thing and the reason i feel like um Johnson won is and only just scraped for one but my feeling was that Johnson won was mostly expectation I think you know there wasn't much expectation on Boris Johnson there was a huge amount of expectation on Corbyn and as a result you know I don't think he I don't think he did badly I just don't think he reached that level of expectation and secondly he didn't he or he was very obviously very robotic in the way he handled the Brexit issue. Clearly, he had been told not to answer that. Um, but Johnson managed to get that question in four or five times, uh, which meant that Johnson had to ignore it four or five times and deliver the Labour approach. What you know, We all know that we all want to know what... Jeremy actually thinks it's an important point I to don't his care. character. I, all right, you don't care. I care. Um, it honestly, it it's would very, honestly it's affect it's how very... I vote. Why? Because my primary issue, where I am, is uh, is the vote towards uh, Remain. It matters more in my household than anything else. But you. No, but the the mechanism for remaining remains the same. Whether or not one man's vote in a, uh, a referendum yes. that could happen in six months goes one way or another. Uh, yes, but the obvious uh, democratic option, in theory at least, is that a Lib Dem vote is a vote for revoke remain, which is my preferred. Well, outcome. except, but it's a, but, but also a fantasy. What's wrong with a bit of fantasy? I mean, you're, well, you're going to be voting Labour in your uh, in your constituency, right? You're going to vote uh, yes, with because, who you want, not because, not well, who have a chance. Uh, indeed, but this constituency does is not a marginal, so it it kind of doesn't matter. So my the best use of my votes is to get the national vote share up because that legitimacy could genuinely be something that's important. Uh, and, and in my constituency. Uh, which is also not especially marginal. 
then maybe I would like my national vote share to count in a different direction at the moment. Well, that's that's your choice. But the the idea that that's truly based on not Labour's policy or position or the actual outcome of the election, but the the view of one man who there's a very good argument for the government and the prime minister as the figurehead of that government staying neutral if there is a referendum yeah. where both yeah, sides have an, a are very, to be equally valid a very sensible response the response i would have given immediately is well we tried the sitting prime minister having an opinion on the subject last time and that didn't work out too well for the sitting prime minister and in the long term hasn't worked out very well for the country. So as sitting prime minister, I would very clearly choose not to get involved. And I think it's important that I don't. Now, that would have been a great answer and it would have been and funny. I, yeah, I do agree. You know, I do Corbyn agree. I was inhuman about it and... He he got away with it the first time. He looked uncomfortable the second time. It was something that the people could laugh at him for by the end. I think that is, um, yeah, I, th- I have to, this is one of those issues where you have to assume, or at least I try to assume, that um, there are people in the leader's office that are better at this stuff than me. And I'm thinking particularly of um, people like Andrew Fisher or... or or people like that, and yeah. my Isn't thoughts Fisher were: leaving? you have to. <laughs> he, he's yeah, he decided he'd like to move on to further opportunities after the election. So that's um, that will be disappointing because I think he's really good. And uh, as the author of the 2017 manifesto, we all owe him a huge debt of gratitude for, you know, for shifting the the the, the Overton window towards a you know transformative radical solution. The, the idea that this manifesto will be a building upon of the 2017 it'll go further it'll go deeper they'll have better ideas it is so bloody exciting well it's and i have to trust sorry to interrupt again but that's just a fascinating little thing isn't it because maybe the 2017 one was already a little too far for the voting public which is why remember labor lost um or maybe it didn't go far enough but you're going to get a fairly clear answer one way or another from the people. Yeah, it didn't. Well, well in many ways, it didn't another. go far enough. <laughs> yeah, in many ways, the situation has changed, and in many ways, it hasn't. It didn't go far enough. Its um, responses to climate change were not far enough. They 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 weren't, um, and that was probably that was you know it was not the the big issue, and that manifesto was very hurriedly uh, put together, um, and this one has not you know has not been they've been working on this for a long time uh so yeah i'm i'm fat i'm just re- yeah i'm so excited I, I quite often pick up and flick through the 2017 manifesto it's, it's on the bookshelf just above the telly but um, i quite often pick it up and look just look at it and think jesus that, this is good i think i do have some labor manifestos i found that i mean you know they have a new labor new britain logo on them that's uh I don't think I bought the last one. It didn't. You couldn't actually buy it because of you know the way you know how publishing works. But it wasn't available to actually purchase until after the election. So, um, <laughs> it was a. Oh, well, on that point, I mean, there are a lot of people within Labour Party and um, a certain Guardian columnist who have 
while they've put a lot of weight on what will happen after this first debate, they also put a lot of weight on what will happen after the manifesto launch. Now, in if last time the manifesto launch and the privatization of trains, that kind of thing, were a bit of surprise, they did definitely change the conversation. It's going to be very interesting to see if people, largely the same people who think in largely the same way, can come up with something that will change the conversation in a new way. Because uh, my fear would be that people, you know, it's hard for people like that to come up with new ideas. I think it will be easier to anticipate this from the enemy's point of view. I mean, very, very possibly. What we are talking about is an enemy for whom ideas are not a currency. Um, they, they, there weren't any policy ideas in um, Boris Johnson's performance yesterday. There, there haven't been. There won't be. They're not even, as far as I'm aware, they're not even going to really bother to release a manifesto. Or so, <laughs> you, people are voting blind. Uh, and that's, I've, I've, um, yeah, exactly. I've heard people talking about the Tory manifesto, but not. Tories, as such, they have suggested they've postponed the manifesto launch until a week or something before the polling. They are they've got nothing, but they don't. I mean, they don't need anything. And manifestos clearly, obviously, Labour didn't publish till after last time. Clearly, there's well, clearly no, they there's, did pub. They did publish, but you couldn't buy it as a book. I've got you. Uh, well, clearly, yeah. there's no point having a manifesto because all you're doing is nailing things to a mast, and really, people are just voting for the people. That's the problem, isn't it? Well, I hope not. Last time uh, we had a quite a good uh, discussion on um, Labour's education policy, and we'll see how right I got what they actually are going to be when the manifesto drops. Um, but is there a, a policy that you'd uh, like to talk about this week, Ed? Well, there's, there's one you're always telling me about. Uh, every time I drift into some sort of new left fantasy oh sorry not new is it old new left fantasy of uh things working out well with the market you always remind me that the market can't fix the planet um well it can't well you know i i agree that without government intervention it can't um all these markets need to be manipulated and that that puts us in a very similar ground but anyway the thing you say to me every time is green nude eel. That's <laughs> a naked, writhing little creature. Caught from oh, sorry, New Deal. Sorry, I, I always mishear those. Um, yeah. So the Labour are going to have a green New Deal. What is it? Well, we will see whether or not that's ah, what it's called. Because yes. the- the Green Manifesto launched yesterday, where they lent very heavily on their version of what they call the Green New Deal, um, which is, uh, it has the same aim, which is uh, net zero carbon by 2030, but the way in which they seem to want to get there is slightly different. They are going straight in for tax as a, a lever and to tax polluting things, um, which is all very well if you believe that, um, you know, in uh, in sort of rational economics and you believe that the, you know, poor people won't just get really shafted by that. 
because it, it essentially means rich people well, can pollute as of much as they people like. People do have Range Rovers. <laughs> Not very poor people. Far too many people in general have Range Rovers. That is true. It's actually, the problem um, is poor people have the old Range Rovers that don't have any of the nice, you know, electric stuff or what have you. SUVs <laughs> SUV, should be at the SUV should be banned. People should have to take a different category of driving test to um, have vehicles so heavy, dangerous and polluting. They should be restricted to um, industrial purposes. They are um, awful. But don't things. you realise how big they pollute, and important they pollute, you they feel? Pollute more than, um, they pollute more than um, personal air, airplane use globally. Well, They're awful things. probably because there are a lot more of them, right? I mean, they don't per well, mile pollute more. Of course. <laughs> But yes, I, I take your point. So the yeah, so the the Labour's version of the Green New Deal is has been you know it's been in the works, um, not inside Labour uh, so much as inside unions and pressure groups and uh, economics forums and environmental groups across the world, and has been you know it's been building and and building for about ten years. But the basic plank of it is that you can transform. Uh, to a, a carbon uh, system that does not kill the planet or kill the people on the planet um, and do that while providing a better life for people, providing better jobs for people, you know, and transitioning in a just way. And and, and that's the, the crux of it, that, you know, if you want to, for example, uh, reduce... Um, waste from the you know we need energy to heat our homes and and offices if you want to insulate them properly you need a lot of people who can be uh, can do that and those are good jobs that can be created they're good skilled jobs tens of thousands of them um so um at the uh the cbi the um, jemmy um introduced the idea that there was uh, going to be 80 thousand uh, apprenticeships green apprenticeships a year to try and you know get people to the skills to to do that sort of thing that's you know that are needed the the people who are needed to insulate the homes and repair the boilers and make solar panels and um something like they reckon about seventy thousand new jobs on um offshore wind in total um these are these are good jobs and if the industrial policy is in place these can be good well-paid secure jobs with where people have you know a decent say in the companies they're they're working for as well that's a you know that's a vision of a better society that also (laughs) stops us going extinct that i mean that all sounds well and good to me um uh and the big difference you know, as, as from a layman's point of view, is that Labour and the Green Party seem to be targeting 2030, um, whereas the Tories are sticking to the Paris Accord 2050. Is that mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, so uh, they, 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 they're not on target to hit 2050, but that is the stated target. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but you have to, <laughs> you have to go with the stated target when you listen rather <clears throat> annoying i mean well, that's the downside that, isn't it of this whole impartial thing is you have to give everyone a, ba- a fair uh well, balance no, even but though they, they're they've in office they've, and have screwed it up but they've set that target and by their actions are not going to hit it so they're not taking the target particularly seriously um i mean 
presumably we can't do any of the things that would definitely bring it about, like wiping out every second person, that kind of thing. Well, you can, as um, Hans, the late Hans Rosling, uh, say if you increase education um, and uh, equality and opportunities, the birth rate uh, in many places will drop. Ah. So that is a... It, it does lead to a, an, an aging society, but um, that is that is true, and that has happened, you know, across the world. There are very good statistics on that. I'm not but saying the, that the older you are, a, the more likely you are to vote conservative. So it's not a great plan, is it? Well, well, the, statistically, statistically, that is true because the poorer, more likely to vote Labour ones, die off earlier. Oh, you think that's the cause? A lot of people that's change, one of the causes, change yeah. to being more right wing as they get older. <laughs> Is that, can you go any further right? <laughs> I mean, I used to think that maybe the Labour Party had just got a little bit more right wing as it got older, uh, but um, but it's moving back the other way. Yeah. So that is true. Yeah, that that if you want to if you want to take everything at face value and say that and believe people, the Tories and the Lib Dems say twenty fifty, uh, Labour and the Greens say twenty thirty, and the big difference between twenty fifty and twenty thirty is twenty years. Well, there are two big differences. Yes, but there are two big differences. If you aim for twenty thirty and miss, you've still got twenty years. If you aim for twenty fifty and miss, you're fucked. But also the target of 2030 accounts for basically our industrial and colonial history. We've been polluting for many more years. Uh, we created God an industrial and then post-industrial. <laughs> We've been polluting for yeah. longer. We have spread pollution around the world. And what good did it do us? They all just rebelled. Well, that, and now they pollute so even been... more. We got rid well, of our jobs the... for the most part. I mean, we're, the, the reason we're well on the way, if we're honest, is, you know... We've largely well, wiped no, that, out industry in this country. Well, well, we haven't. Basically, we've offshored our carbon emissions, which exactly. is I think we the U, the UK are incredibly bad at that. They're the worst in the in the G seven and one of the worst in Europe. So we have to account for that. We have to we have to decarbonize more quickly, and we have to. But, I mean, that, that's my big question. Space. Is, is that you know what about all the stuff we buy? Who whose fault is that in the Paris thing? I don't actually know. Is is that China's fault for making it? Our fault for buying it? The American company who lent us the money to buy it, their fault? It, you, you know. Well, because obviously it's a worldwide target, but the the not so much the the Chinese are rap, you know are, are definitely an industrial economy, but there are economies around the world countries around the world that have to be given some space to essentially pollute a little bit more for a little bit longer to bring them up to a you know a, a standard of living that they have every right to expect and we have prevented them from having and if we just go right we've all got to decarbonize by 2050 and each country's individually got to do it by that time that produces this sort of intolerable burden and bakes in the inequalities of the global north versus the global south um so i mean are you not worried that the voters of this country have recently indicated that they would like to turn back time to the empire era um by you know when asked would you like a better economy or would you like things to be a bit more like they were in the olden days where we taught foreigners a lesson the british people 
got together and just over half of them, or all of them, as we're now being told, said, we definitely want to screw our economy so long as we can make things more like the olden days and wave more flags around. I mean, those people were essentially voting to be back in Victorian Industrial Revolution, weren't they? I, I agree. And the um, and Jeremy Corbyn won't say one, which side he's on. And the one he will say, if the, I think he'll say quite clearly which side he was on in the, um, I don't know, the Luddite riots, but the, um, uh, the idea that... Um, yeah, the idea that this is that well, this is the difference actually between the the green version of the policy and the the labour version of the the idea, the policy, whatever we call it. So labour have tended to actually, stick with the no, term no, green no. You industrial have to say, revolution. Which side would Jeremy Corbyn be on in a like, you know, would he throw his sabot into the mechan- machine? Would he be against mechanisation? I think he would. He would have been against mechanisation on the terms of the bosses, um, but. The a lot of um, that was uh, movements that towards... was another point that landed very badly Esther that he just didn't quite get across. I, I don't understand how you can say you know stand up there, um, thinking. Tell you what, you guys would all like the same pay, but to work one fewer day a week and not get you know to get laughed at for that rather than to get that. This is a. I, I must admit that the reaction to the four day week is astounding the the basically people go no fuck me work me till i bleed work me till i kill over i don't know if it's astounding i think it's you know it's a culture shift that's being proposed which means you need to you need to show people why or you need to tell people you can't just assume that most people sit around thinking oh that'll be better you need to you need to actually take a step further take a step back and say look lots of technology is coming along that's making life better um, why should you have to work an extra day? Why should you not get a day off? It shouldn't just be your boss who gets more money. If you if he had said it in that manner, I think a lot of those people who laughed would have actually sat back and gone, "Yeah, good point." I think the, the my impression uh, was that Corbyn is just a little bit too used to speaking to crowds who are on side and educated to a certain level, and I think that I'm I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I'm sure we'll see at the next debate. He has had a little bit of a conversation about maybe talking to people in a campaigning way who are not already members of Momentum. Oh, Adam, you and your Momentum. All right, I, I leave, do leave Momentum are, aside I, then, but you know what I mean. He is, he is, or oh, picture it in terms of Glastonbury. Like, one year he was uh, able to go on the stage and get cheered at. Next year he's uh, pretty scared of showing up there. He wasn't. He wasn't scared. People don't play Glastonbury two years running. Um, it's like Paul McCartney last played it in '99 when I went, and he's playing next year. That's about right. Jez will do it in um, at the end of his Premiership in ten years, something like that. Still, anyway, I mean, it's a big field full of stockbrokers. <laughs> oh God, oh, you wouldn't. For, you wouldn't drag me there if you paid me. Absolutely no chance. Um, but no, I think you you are right about that. And explaining the benefits of the, I mean, the idea, of course, the four day week is one of those things that is picked upon exactly by the Tories because it plays badly in the in that way. Um, but that's what, sta- that, of course, that's what I a, find stunning is that I think we've known for a long time that some people just don't get it. You know, it it does play badly in that way. 
but it can be explained to people it can be although i explained it to someone on facebook the other day in a series of you know lots of things you know you angrily and, uh, explained to said, somebody you couldn't see on the other end of the internet i'm sure you changed that and mind. they um well they said oh yeah that sounds a great fairy story and again well no there are studies and there are places where this works yeah also fairy uh, stories are definitely not the way we should go around organizing things i've you know i read them to my <laughs> little one they're terrifying absolutely the um the, we do not essentially the three little pigs or at least the first two pigs are uh carillion <laughs> and the the third one but the thing about the three anyway, the three the, little pigs um oh, which which edition we've got the um the nice little books ladybird ladybird edition and it shows a, a pretty nicely built straw house in the, in the illustration which the wolf is somehow able to blow over he clearly wouldn't be able to simple you know weight ratios stacking it's you know tied bundles the log house and it is depicted as a log house i know people who live in log houses that have survived hurricanes and <laughs> yet somehow the wolf is able to blow this over <clears throat> what i do like about the ladybird edition is that the pigs uh how do I put it? They do not get to run to the third pig's house. In more modern versions, the, the pigs have their structures destroyed, yet somehow are able to leg it from the wolf, who is blowing their house over, yet doesn't manage to... Well, is that a puff, I suppose? <laughs> so, it's not great... Prep ask ask uh, Paula Radcliffe, it's not the uh, ideal preparation for a marathon. Uh, blowing a, a house over with your own breath. I mean, I always bet on Paula Radcliffe like you bet on the uh, the dog that's had a shit uh, at the Greyhounds because they're lighter. <laughs> the, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no, not the fairy stories are not the ideal way. But there are there is a story that um, needs to be told, and Jeremy is at his best when telling stories. I think. In the in the sense that he, you know, you'll talk about people he he meets and um, you know, and how essentially life could be better for them. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm saying. I didn't see enough of. So sorry, we I, I interrupted from the the Green New Deal though. Um, yeah, you you gave us the number of jobs. You mm -hmm. gave us the well, new target. That seems sensible. That. Was are there any other elements, or is that something we're waiting to see the detail? Well, there, there are there is lots of um, there's lots of detail. So um, you need to massively invest in green technology. Um, you need to transition away from polluting technology in the you know in sort of a, a little bit in the way that the sort of Lucas Aerospace um, plan uh, we were talking about the other week did. You need to involve the the unions and stuff like that. You need to essentially you need to do things like the broadband rollout so you can reduce um, your commuting if possible. You need to improve public transport. You need to um, do things like I'm not sold on the uh, loans for um, electric cars thing, but I can see that as a stopgap um, until the public transport is. You know, much better, and private car usage drops significantly. I think, yeah, I, um, I, I think that. I mean, however you you feel about it, if we're capable of replacing the energy, then why not? 
Like if if the main problem is pollution generated, that kind of thing, if we are capable of building cars which last ten years or so, um, you know, it's not like we don't have the road infrastructure and that lying around. It's going to make it a lot easier for certain people to adapt. And it's not necessarily a brilliant idea to drag everyone to live into a city either. No, in, indeed not. And that's things why the, the broadband is is really important. The idea that, you know, people in more isolated areas can still access services, essentially, as we move uh, or, you know, or work or create their own businesses. As we I mean, move I, further, I, I, I've been further struggling about the broadband announcement, um, only partly because I live in one of the very small number of areas that served by excellent fibre broadband delivered by not BT, obviously. Um, and as a result, you know, it is a company that will go bankrupt in this scenario, apparently. Um, that doesn't bother me particularly, but th- there were no plans announced to fix that. Um, well, that's, it's a, it's that dreadful free market, mate. Um, there are, well, it's not a free the, market the, the... anymore, is it? If a huge amount of it is government based. Well, a huge amount of it is government-based right now because uh, you only loads of companies are only allowed to use open well, yeah. reach. Open so reach is heavily subsidised. All of the replacement, you know. What about those those people who are served by fibre to the house? Brought, you know, because it's labelled as well, part of a cable TV. There was no compensation. T- wouldn't it no. be really dreadful if? Dicky Branson went. Bust. I don't mind if Dicky Branson goes broke or not, or, or loses his cable media. What I did not like was the implication that if my internet got switched off, because I happen to be not BT and not, you know, um, an area where there isn't any internet already, then I could go hang. Like literally, no one had thought <laughs> about it because I was in like a two percent or five, you know, a relatively small number of the population. It's, and that's that that yeah. is generally the thing that bothers me about governments taking over any one thing is when you become in a small group you become deprioritized by policy in in a way that frankly you do also often feel when you ring up to go hey my internet's been out for 2 hours well i think that this is one of those things that will take a while purely because it will take a while and the the plan is expressly to move from those places that are not served at all and then improve the places that are served but served badly and and so on and so forth so it'll be a long time before the the companies who are doing it the other way around you know like super serving the people that are currently quite well served um, will will feel that pressure. There's a there's a good way for them to transition out, and there are, this is a although it's full fibre, this is still probably going to be a fairly basic service. Some people will want more, and will be free to pay for it. I mean, you know, from my point of view, obviously the good outcome is that Virgin Media go bankrupt. Um, the infrastructure is picked up by the government and the government has set some sort of magic low slash free rate um, but continues to deliver my free, you know, 300 kilobit or whatever it is, lovely broadband. As Harry Perkins would say, um, uh, let's abolish let's abolish dial-up. 
and uh, we're not going to abolish gigabit full fibre broadband. Nothing's too good for the workers. No. And wouldn't it be great if the workers weren't forced into buying a TV package of crap that they never watch? And as I was saying before we started, I don't even know where the remote is and I'm genuinely unsure how to watch television, but I pay for like 200 channels that I do not watch. <laughs> because that's... For, me it's, for me, it's the landline that is only used by... Um, cold callers and a, a woman from a uh, folk club in a village about 20 miles away who hasn't moved over to an email list oh yeah the- yeah no that's that's true uh, we have a, a landline too but that's um that is used by uh, a certain sets of parents it's internationally it's still cheaper i think but it's so yeah we, I, I mean th- those things are, are this is what we'd love to see. This is what we would love to see the detail of uh, about not only the manifesto, but the, that detail in the, the of the Green New Deal uh, in the manifesto. And this has been one of two bits where people have been deciding to worry the Labour membership journalists have been mischief-making and saying, oh, 2030 won't be in it. Oh, uh, you know, freedom of freedom, the commitment to freedom of movement as um, I detailed admit, in the, in the policies. A lot, a lot of Ooh, industrial unions be. going for twenty thirty. Well, all of them have done. The only one um, that doesn't is GM is GMB. That's why there were two conference motions on this. Uh, one that had everybody else's support, and one that only had theirs. GMB are pretty um, big, though, be, right? They are, but um, <laughs> they're not the Labour Party. Okay, so um, which policy area shall I ask about next week? That's um, well, you, let's make, make it a surprise because, the, like I say, there'll be one uh, in the manifesto that will surprise the hell out of you. Um, and our other <laughs> and you, mate, right? and me, I mean, is that a promise? Do you know? I know. No one knows. No one knows anything apart from the thirty or forty people that were in that clause five meeting. And that was last weekend, right? And the um, and the people who had to do the layouts. So there was something trailed in um, Johnson's answers, a sort of throwaway comment yesterday that um, suggested that they won't be repeating the dementia tax as a policy plan. <laughs> I mean, you didn't um, really need any uh, any you know clues, did you, about that? It seemed unlikely that they would go for that again, since many regard that as having cost them the, an overall majority. Well, well, but what I'm suggesting is the fact that he didn't just shut up about it means they're going to put something in its place rather than um, just leaving it blank and sort of like assuming things carry forward if they're if they're not gainsaid. Oh yeah, well I guess uh, I guess the strategy will be to wait until the elections happened before doing anything like that. And I mean, do, basically, basically there's no more... way you can tackle that in a popular manner. But it is certainly it is something that policymakers need to be conscious of, right? The get the dementia tax was this not the right way to approach it, but at the same time, there is you know there is some truth to the fact that lots of people living around a long time with dementia poses a burden to the rest of society. However, <clears throat> whether you're choose to make that a financial one or however you choose to look at it well that social care needs to be um sorted out it really really does but what people find popular is um or palatable is 
is, you know, is, is sometimes really weird. So, for example, during the uh, debate last night, I mentioned that the Conservative um, Twitter account, the CCHQ one, changed its name to Fact Check UK. And lots of people uh, had a little bit of a hoo-ha about that. So I was one of quite a number of people who also changed their Twitter accounts to be called Fact Check UK. Yes, nearly everyone has done on Twitter. And tweeted some facts. So, but, um, so uh, one of the facts that I tweeted out, which is very viable, was that Boris Johnson is a cunt. And you can prove anything with facts. And that... Um, so while though that was the fact of a, of a few that I put out that got a little bit of Twitter traction, and amusingly, even though I have now changed my Twitter account back to being me, that tweet is still getting retweeted. Not because people think it's an amusing fact, but people just like it as a statement. Well, yeah, I think it's. I, I can see that. I mean, that that is the thing, isn't it? In these elections, quite a lot of people start with that view already. Most people are out of play. The, they either think that or they don't think that. Uh, the question is, are you reaching any of the uh, the people who do not, you know, who didn't last night think that Boris Johnson was, but are now starting to think that he is on the um, on the doorsteps and the the little bit of um, door knocking I've been doing. Um, I have met people that, you know, haven't even made up, a, haven't even thought about that. For example, we uh, met a, a guy who. You know, he really wanted a second referendum and did not know uh, what the, um, the what the policy was on that. And after having it explained, he goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, vote in Labour then." Not that he probably would have voted Tory, hopefully, but um, he's uh, moving his vote from either not voting or from the the Liberal candidate is one uh, vote closer to unseating a quite unpopular uh, Tory in North London. So, excellent. Fantastic. The only positive uh, interaction Boris Johnson's had, of course, is um, a guy who thinks that his policy is to send them all back and had a long conversation with yeah, him about the that dog was, shits. That was funny. Well, maybe Boris wants to send all the dog shits back, which doesn't, you know, <laughs> dogs are very much a one-way system. Well, they are, um, they are. If you wanted to produce dog shit, it is the only way. There haven't been. There isn't a, a great industry in lab-grown dog shit. I did. I did um, enjoy that white video or otherwise. With that, because it was. You don't usually see, you know, Boris being Boris. Sometimes you see his face as he calculates an error. For example, the uh, when he's pointed out the the press, um, when he was at Whipped Cross Hospital recently, and uh, there aren't any press here. What about them? I love that. Um, but the the time there when he's sort of slowly subjected to what one of his voters is actually like. And you could see him there calculating the... how long he has to sit and listen to this um, because he can't, you know, punch him in the face. Oh, I miss John Prescott. And he can't do anything else. So what does he do? There, there isn't a good outcome. You know, if you were Boris Johnson... There isn't a good way out of that, other than... Why did you put him by that bigoted man? We normally, uh, at least, have a little bit of a a clever or stupid uh, section. And I thought this was quite a a little one we could quickly uh, do. And it's interesting. It hasn't got as much coverage, I thought, as it might do. So, yes, the um, leave... uh, 
leave.eu um, bankroller, the uh, little squat diamond miner Aaron Banks, had his Twitter account hacked. And not in the way that normal people have their Twitter account hacked. And he didn't tweet, Davy Cameron is a pie, or here we fucking go, uh, or anything like that. Uh, they downloaded his Twitter archive, which includes all of your direct messages. What, mine? Uh, well, it would if you downloaded yours, yeah. And it, or if you've been down, uh, oh, I see. Aaron Banks. Been having a look at his conversations, but no one's stupid enough to use Twitter for direct messages when they could be using something nice and secure like Apple Message or um, that one the kids use. <laughs> well, this is the question: Is Aaron Banks clever or stupid? Because some of those things uh, are quite revealing. The um, there's a, re- a reveal that he paid. There's a reveal that he paid a thousand pounds to have dinner with Pretty Patel. Uh, that she did not put in the register of members' <laughs> interests. There's a direct message I you were conversation. Make a conversation. With... <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to turn to me and Pretty Patel again. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's um, uh, a thing where he's having a conversation with uh, Dominic Raab about whether or not he, uh, Aaron Banks, can persuade Farage to pull, to uh, pull out, uh, and ooh, at uh, which uh, Dominic Raab signs best. Rob, <laughs> which is odd because he isn't even the best Rob. <laughs> I mean, I don't know of any others, but he's not in my top one. I no, I don't know of any others. Uh, that yeah, that wasn't made out of a. It's just that he can't possibly be. Like there, there must be other family members who have at least chosen to stay out of the public eye and therefore be better. So than him. is Aaron Banks really that stupid? Or is this a is this a sort of a psyops uh, maneuver? I, I feel like it's going to be that stupid. I, I I ought to talk about this for longer, but sorry, which one of them spent a thousand? He spent a thousand pounds staying uh, around with Pretty Patel. Apparently so. Yes. I mean that seems like quite. I mean, expensive. you're je- jealous. You just wish you were at the charity do and could have bidded higher. I don't know. <laughs> the. <laughs> oh my God! Do you mean there was a. Oh, no, that's deeply unsettling. You mean they auctioned her off? They auctioned dinner with her off. And did they choose her uh, because she is the least unattractive of the Tories? I've got absolutely no idea. Although but, in a um, really creepy artificial way these days, in that she's got younger in the last 10 years, hasn't she? I've not been paying... <laughs> I, well, I saw I saw a clip of Pretty on the news uh, on the on the Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I couldn't help that. Um, and and she was talking. I, I don't know how new it was uh, on that program where politicians have to talk in front of an audience. And Ian Hislop was there, and she seemed to misunderstand what happens when people are executed. <laughs> Have you seen this clip doing the rounds? I've, no, I've seen one where she's pro um, the death penalty. She, but... she is pro death penalty, and Ian Hislop uh, takes the anti death penalty view on the grounds that, and at least some of the cases, um, quite a lot of the people um, turned out not to have done it. And if they'd been executed, they'd be, you know, dead. And she takes a contrary view. She <laughs> appears to argue, you know. <laughs> She doesn't argue with the, uh, or she she suggests we should have the death penalty, 
But then she goes on to suggest that it would be fine. And looks a bit confused when Hislop says, but they'd be dead. I, well, I'm I'm not saying that she... We, we know that... Uh, so we now know for sure we, she is, like, properly stupid. We um, know which side of the clever or stupid bit she'd come. And we. I think... I'm not sure about Aaron Banks because I just think he doesn't give a fuck. Well, he's got a lot of money, I guess. So I suspect. Well, we don't know. We don't even know that, do we? We we the, can only assume because he pisses it away, the, right? Well, the suspicion the suspicion is that it isn't necessarily all his money that he donates. If uh, I mean, that's it's that's always the, not his. You know, if that's the thing about capitalists, isn't it? <laughs> he got it off the back of the workers or inherited it. Join us uh, next week where I explain the labour theory of value um, <laughs> to. Uh, <laughs> to adam um i assume that's based on the the the, essentially the my my, uh you know the thing i argue with people about when they say oh i earn this much a year and i'm like earn and get are not the same thing (laughs) not quite the uh, oh no i'll tell you what I've, i've often thought i should do a quick explainer of the labor theory of value it would be quite useful to lots of people i will see if i can work it right. up right so that's that's next, next uh, week, for next week yeah, excellent um um so so yeah so thank you thanks stupid yeah, patel, patel stupid. stupid or maybe she's smart enough to realize that that's what she's got that's the way she earns money and that's not an encouraging thing I was going to say there's one more thing I've got to ask you before we go. Um, go on. Or one thing I have to ask me, which is what would I get you for Christmas? Um, a Charles Dickens book? What do you think? Don't get me Dickens. I really don't like Dickens. Dickens is a sort of soft, soapy, liberal uh, idiot word because... Um, or he, he highlights all these bad things in society then does not suggest structural change but just merely that the rich should be nicer uh, that is um, assen- that is essentially sort of the the liberals under Paddy Ashdown I mean the liberals under Joe Swinson are fuck the poor but the the um, yeah, I'm, yeah. No, don't, don't get you me you know I Dickens. thought you wouldn't be pro Dickens but we uh, we know that uh, Jeremy would buy a copy only to <laughs> a Christmas Carol slightly different, um, but uh, yeah, and he was I was quite good off the cuff. I'd have got, it I was right off the cuff. I'd have got him, uh, you know, get him something he can understand. So get him the Scrooge, the Bill Murray version of a Christmas Carol. That's... I'd um, I would quite honestly say I think, but I, I would have been tempted to say I think Boris Johnson's got enough. Yeah, I mean that that would have been more fun. Maybe we should get your girlfriend a new laptop. <laughs> um, yeah, which girlfriend? Uh, well, we know at least. Well, we know at least uh, one that's uh, in need of a new MacBook, but um, oh, there's probably quite a few. I mean, the best possible answer would have been. Now, what I'd love to do is give you a present for each of your children. So, how many is that? <laughs> but this is the point that um, Jeremy wouldn't do that. I know he's not got any sense of fun, has he? Right, he's got a sense of he's too nice, and that might have been the problem yesterday. Um, join us next week when I am not going to be too nice to Adam, <laughs> and he's not going to be too nice. Yeah, don't to worry, me. no worries there, everyone. <laughs> uh, you have been listening to 
not Fact Check UK, but that option no longer exists. The podcast where the left of the left and the left of the right fights. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at that option pod on Facebook. Just search for that option no longer exists and come to visit us on the web www.thatoption.co.uk email us at hello at thatoption.co.uk and do those things before we next record and don't forget hang your stocking up and Santa Manifesto will come oh happy Christmas already Can't. Well, there's a lot of um, no, not really. Socialism coming, socialism coming, socialism.